Business Building Warrior. It's your buddy, Jim. And on today's episode, we are going to meet Miss Jackie Bloom. She recently left a corporate career that had an hour and a half commute each way. She was in her career field of choice. She loves graphic art, graphic design, and she's going to share with us. And she had a great job, but she was getting burnt out. I actually felt even a little hopeless, she tells us today, about her future, mainly because she was away from her family so much and she didn't like that. And she wanted to be home doing something. To make a long story short, she jumped into Amazon using the replens model that we teach around here. Her business is taking off. And like I said, she's just a few months into the journey. But based on your requests, we've heard from many people who have said they listen to the show, but they want to hear from some people who are still kind of in the weeds a little bit, trying to figure this thing out a little bit. Not necessarily all these big success stories all the time where it sounds like people have it all figured out. Trust me, none of us have it all figured out. But today we're going to meet Jackie and she's still figuring the game out. Although the best math that we did, she put about $4,000 in the bank. And she has a lot of great inventory sitting at Amazon right now that's selling very, very well for her. And she's finding as much of it as she wants. The challenge for her is just getting it sent in fast enough she, because everything she's finding now, thanks to the systems that we've taught her, is profitable. She knows how to find that profitable inventory and she's finding it everywhere. She's going to tell you how and she's going to share her story. I love her energy and her passion for this business. And I love her big why. You know, you'll hear me talk a little bit in this episode today about the why of your business. And for me, a big enough why is, hey, I want to be home with my family. It doesn't have to be, am I passionate about this business model? Am I super interested in the product that I'm selling? Don't get caught in that trap. That's just not necessary. You can pursue your passions and your hobbies and your interests with all the free time you have once you've got a great, stable, growing income from a business and you'll be passionate about that business, but you don't have to be passionate about every product you're selling. It's just not necessary. You're serving customers well, as evidenced by them paying money for the products you sell. Be passionate about serving well and be passionate about your bigger why, which in this case for Jackie is her family and being there with them and, and seeing her little girls grow up and being there with her husband as all this is happening. So I love it. We had a good episode today. I think you're really going to enjoy Jackie and her, her raw green story. She doesn't know all the answers yet. So we do a little coaching along the way even, but I think you're really going to have some fun with it. And as always, all the links that we talk about today, the provenamazoncourse.com course, that's a course that Jackie used. She jumped into the replens module of that course. There's going to be links to all of that. We talked about it on the show today. Just go to the show notes at silentgym.com. Look for today's episode, look in the notes. There's all the links. So you don't have to write down anything furiously, okay? Let's jump over and get Jackie on the line right now. You're gonna love this. So Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. I'm so excited to be here. Great this to is have so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so we've never spoken before, but you left us a little message on Facebook and uh, the conversation started from there. And I said, hey, how about you jump on the show? So let's hear your story. Let's, you know, let's take it away. The floor is yours. Okay. You know, I couldn't believe that you asked me of all people. There's so many people out in this community to be on the show. It's, it's such an honor. And I've heard so many people say before, you know, it's like, I feel like I've made it now that I'm on this show. And I'm, I know that's hard for you to believe, but I really do feel that way. It was kind of like a first, you know, one of the first goals of mine, like one day I'm going to be on that show, just like other people. 
I just well, didn't. I'm glad it's validated quite... for you. It's going to motivate others too, and uh, <laughs> it validates for me too. Like you know, the stuff we're doing around here is actually having an impact. So it's every bit as validating for me as it is for you. Trust me. I hope so because I just I just didn't quite imagine it would happen so quickly, and that's um I think that's the beauty of this model in a way because it allowed me to get to a point where I never felt and thought was you know didn't imagine that it would happen this way so quickly. But it actually did. So um, let's start at the beginning. Like, what were you doing before so, you got Amazon and, you know, get us up to speed on your story? Because I, I really know nothing except that brief conversation yeah. we had. Yeah, it was very, very brief. So I come from a creative background. I went to art school and I studied graphic design. And I had, like, right out of school, I had great jobs in the corporate world. I worked in magazines as a designer. I was an art director, a senior art director. And I worked my way up pretty quickly. And, um, Gee, looking back, that's been like 20 years now, right? Of this like art director, creative career. And I got to the creative director and I achieved that. And I was burning out so quickly. Mm. Like I said, I worked in magazines. I worked in women's retail, you know, designing catalogs and emails and all sorts of things. And it was great. But I was also um, commuting in the end for like three hours a day. Wow. Hour and a half each way. Three hours. An hour and a half each way. Wow. And what, what part of the country do you live in? So I live in Long Island, New York, and okay. I was commuting to Manhattan an hour and a half every day. I would leave my house at 7.15 in the morning and I would come home after 7.30 at night. So is that, that's trains and subways kind of commuting? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Trains and subways. And, um, you know, in the, I have two, I have two girls at home. I have a husband and two young girls and, I hated being away from the house for so long. Mm. There was a time when we had, um, you know, live in nanny for a while because I had this career and that was the only way to make things work. And I didn't wow. love that. I didn't love how that. Long ago, didn't... How long ago did you start getting that? I want to hear how old your girls are and how long ago you started getting that tug away from what was probably at some point was your dream job. It, yeah, dream absolutely. My dream. I mean, I went went to art school. My parents, you know, bless their hearts, sent me to art school. We're probably thinking like, what was she going to do with that? You know. But it was, right. listen, that's a great career. But um, my girls are eight and my youngest, my youngest is eight and my oldest is going to be 13 next month. Gotcha. And my youngest is eight. And um, I started getting that tug you know, early on, early, they were little. I started getting that. T- we, we moved out into the suburbs when they were, when um, I was pregnant with my youngest and I started getting that tug. Like, I can't do this forever. I would ride the train and look at all the people around me and think, how can I do this for another 30, 40 years? I can't, I don't have this in me. Mm. And I, I was also telling my oldest, my oldest daughter at the time, don't go into a career that makes you work in one place, like a city, like Manhattan, because I'm stuck. I just, I always felt like I was stuck and this is it. This is what I went to school for and it's over for me. And I don't have any other hope other than commuting and wasting my life away on a train. Man, I've heard that's been a theme lately. It, not that there's any scientific data behind what I'm saying here, but I've heard that from a good handful of especially female, especially moms lately that are succeeding with the Amazon model. And when they're allowed to be transparent, they say, man, I was, I was kind of losing hope. One of them was talking to great career, making great money. Yeah. 
their heart wasn't there anymore. It's what they went to school for, but their heart wasn't there. Anymore. Their heart was at home under the roof, you know, with their with their family nearby. But they still wanted to be able to to provide financially and contribute financially. And that's what this model is so beautiful. Internet based yeah. income, not specifically Amazon. That's what we're going to talk about today. But there's just so many different ways. Creatively, right? I mean, you're, you talk about bringing dads home a lot, but you brought this mom home, you know. Oh my god, he gets so teary eyed. I'm very know, emotional. I don't about know it. what that feels no. like. I, you know, that's why I, I'm so passionate about bringing dads home because I know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like to be a mom that gets to be home now. I mean, I can kind of understand it. My wife explained it to me, and I see the difference in our family and our kids for sure. Uh, as a result of that, you know, my, my wife came to me, it's been over. 20 plus years ago and said, you know what? She was the smart one. She graduated magna cum laude, top of her class. And her I graduated, thank the laude, right? So we're thinking <laughs> she's the one that should be out there doing, you know, we were young and maybe didn't know how the world actually worked yet. But like, hey, you're the smart one. Go get a good job. I'll watch the kids do some stuff from home. Uh, but she came home and said, okay, I'm done. I want to I be home. Take care of your yeah. family. <laughs> and part of me, you thought I'd be like, oh no, that's scary. No, I was like thrilled. I was like, yes, I can't wait. Let's do this, right? Yeah. I only wish that I that I could have done this earlier, you know, mm. because again, like I said, I felt like I was stuck. I was, you know, the, yeah. the great career and um, I worked so hard to get to where I was. Yeah. And I, I did, I felt stuck. Like, this is it. This is what I have to endure for how many years. Did you seek advice from anyone, friends, family about that? Like, what would they tell you? I'm just curious. I know that's kind of an on the spot question, but are we no, just internally I, kind of processing through this? Internally processing it. I didn't seek advice about it. I, I just didn't think that there was any other solution. Right. Because Because a lot of people tell you you're crazy. You're crazy. This is what you went to school for. This is your dream. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that too. Supposedly your passion, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, it's still like, I loved it for so long. I loved what I did, but I didn't realize. why not continue from home? I, you know, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And that's like such an easy answer now. So in what brought me here is in July, I lost my job, July of 2019. Mm. And after I got over the initial shock of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I felt free all of a sudden and it was summer and I enjoyed my summer. My kids were, you know, in camp only a couple of days a week because of, you know, COVID, but we still sent them for camp a couple of days a week. And I got myself a beach pass and I hung out and I had a great summer. Mm. Um, for you, mom. So in about August, 18 months that, ago. Yeah. So that was, so that was no, not even, time. not even. It was like six months ago. Oh, I think it's 2019. Eight, not, oh, sorry. 2020, 2020. So six months ago. Yeah, because yeah, you mentioned COVID. That makes sense now. Okay, so about six yeah. months ago, you and you had a a fun COVID summer with your kids. <laughs> I did, I did, and we got a puppy in August, so we had a new baby in the house, mm. and um, I just hung out, and then I started going through this the motions of okay, well, I really got to start looking for a job now, and I apply to new jobs, you know, job listings in my field. I wasn't so jazzed about any of them. And I started realizing, well, maybe I'm not jazzed about them because it's time for a change. And I said to myself, I'm never going to commute into the city again. I know that. I don't want to kill myself anymore. Because I was, you know, when COVID brought everybody home and I was working from home, we were working more than ever before. You know, and that's probably common in a lot of corporate jobs. But I, like a lot of people, we were, I was working all hours in the night. I was killing myself. And it had a terrible effect on myself and my family. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until I lost my job that I realized how bad it was. Because then I felt like I got myself back. You had something to contrast it with. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like you're breathing different air almost, doesn't it? When your life is in the right place. (laughs) Oh, like I was a total, it was evident immediately. I was a totally different person. I was a totally different person without the pressure of that job. That was slowly killing me. (laughs) And I I, I love episodes like this. I went through the motions of like trying to find a new career. I was like, should I go to vet school? Should I be a dog groomer? Should I like, should I be the next Bob Vila? Cause I was interested in, you know, contracting. Like I went through. So, and then I was like, I'll just work at home Depot. I don't care. I'll be a nanny. I'm not going back to that job, that lifestyle anymore. I'm not, don't, you can't put me on a train. And again, I adjust talk, the thought of interviewing for other positions in my field was not something I was excited about anymore. Sure. And then there was one day in um, late September, my, so my husband, he's a paramedic in New York city and he has always um, bought and sold vinyl online records. And we, I mean, we both have, I've had an eBay account forever. I actually had an Amazon selling account a good 10, 15 years ago that when I went to go try to sell stuff now was deactivated. (laughs) Right. So we, you know, we're not strangers to selling things online. And so he had a customer come to buy records from him. And this guy started talking about something he was selling that he bought at the supermarket and how much he was flipping it on Amazon. And I couldn't believe I was talking about how much people were paying for this and item and I couldn't believe it. And that got my, the wheels rolling. And I was like, well, this sounds like something I could do. This is exciting. And I was like, well, if this guy can do it, why can't I do it? So I walked away from that conversation going, I, I think, and it just came, it, the timing was right. You know, it was like sort of at the, my wheels had been spinning about what am I going to do next? And then this guy comes along and reminds me about selling on Amazon. And I had actually come across the term Amazon FBA a good two years ago. Sure. And didn't, didn't really know exactly what it was, but I had heard about it. It was a familiar term. So um, that evening I looked into it and where did I go to the place where everybody learns everything? I went to YouTube (laughs) and I watched a few videos on selling Amazon FBA and, um, one of those sellers, and, and I was looking for, it, it was at this point, it was like now late at night. I had done all this YouTube research and it was late at night and I like to fall asleep to podcasts. So I thought, okay, let me find a podcast to listen to about Amazon FBA. And one of the YouTubers had a list of podcasts and one of them was yours. And um, I hmm. checked it out. And seriously, I'm, I'm not like a religious person or anything but it was, I got to say, by the grace of God sort of thing, it brought me to Silent Jim. And I looked up your podcast and um, the first episode I listened to, I, I looked it up. It was episode um, number 310 with Jimmy talking to Kate Chaddick and it was on small group mentoring. Wow. And they were yeah. talking about the replens model and that yeah. spoke to me. I was yeah. like, this sounds viable. This sounds like something that is sustainable. And if all these people have success stories, why can't I do it? And again, if this guy that showed up at my house can make a living doing this, why can't I? It's not like all these people are making this up just to sell stuff to me, you know? (laughs) Right. 
So I got into it. I planned to fall asleep to that podcast, but I didn't. I couldn't sleep that night. So I usually I usually researched to the death everything that I do. Mm, okay. I didn't, I didn't this time. It was something, I don't know what it was. It was just, I had a good feeling about it. So I'll either research something to the death or if I have a good feeling about something, I just go for it. And there was something about it that I thought, okay, let me just try this. And it was like, it was midnight and I bought the the standalone replens course. And I didn't go to sleep till about three in the morning. I was just watching it on my phone, you know, in bed. Like I thought, I'll just fall asleep to it. Well, that did not happen. <laughs> and, you know, the next morning I got up and I said to my husband, I think I think I found something that I want to try. And, you know, Jim, this is this is the key. You, you've talked about this a lot. My partner, my husband said, go for it. He said, mm-hmm. you know, I'm behind you. Give it a shot. Because I thought, what do I have to lose? I could sit here. It was October. I could be applying for jobs that I don't really care about. And in six to eight months, I could still be unemployed and miserable, or I could be unemployed and miserable, but also have built something. That's so awesome. there's so much emotion in your story. You're very passionate about this. Oh, I am. I'm like, I'm tearing up as I say it. I'm a very, I get very emotional about things that I care a lot about. So it, yeah, it that'll will, happen. <laughs> it's a chance for me to express, you know, people say, well, what's your why? What's your why? And for me, I get to do what you just described. I've been doing it for, you know, 18 plus years now. I'm home with my family. I'm earning a good income, doing something I enjoy. Am I passionate about selling random products to strangers? Not really. Although I'm very passionate about the opportunity it represents. Yeah. And I see you've kind of made that transition from what am I passionate about to how can I be there for my family? Let's make that my core why, my core passion. And what I do in work and serving others, as long as it's valid, I can get very passionate about that as long as it's providing that freedom my family needs. I'll get passionate about that. And so that's that's the way I've been processing this lately because you know nothing against the people that say, hey, find your passion and find a way to pursue and make that monetize it. That's great. Go for it. But that content's not really for me because right now I see the world has shifted People are shopping online unlike ever before. And like that guy that came to your house with the vinyl records was saying like, hey, I'm buying stuff off the store shelf and flipping it for 40% profit margin. Like if that allows you to stay home and then do what you're passionate about, that art thing is going to come back to you at some point and you're going to dip your toe in and you'll be able to explore it without worrying about whether it's making you a profit or not because you got this great business, right? So pursue your passion, but pay the bills with something that's exciting and available and viable uh, so that's how I'm processing through this. But I just, I love the emotion of your story. I, it's still very raw because there will be a uh, a point in time where this will become kind of the, your family's routine. It's just kind of normal. But right now it's new enough that there's a lot of raw emotion in this. And I just, I think this is one of those episodes where if people are just listening. They probably need to check out the YouTube version too, because you can just see that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, I could make you the official spokesperson for the, for the course right now. <laughs> it's just oh my God. I, so I almost. Genuine emotion. I almost didn't want to do the YouTube. I thought, oh, I'm just going to do audio only because I was so shy about it. But again, it's just, it's stepping, it's about stepping out of your comfort zone, right? And I thought, good for you. Okay. Yeah. And and leadership, which you are a leader, you've done lead, you've led, you've been in the corporate environment, you understand leadership. You know, using your mouth is a key step of leadership and putting your face out there and your name out there and, and your voice out there. 
There's a risk associated with that and people are going to misunderstand you and people are going to twist what you said, but that's leading. That's the game. Yeah. A whole lot of people, it's going to resonate. You know, you could have a huge following of women who want to kind of step out of their career that they kind of feel burnt out on and they want to do something from home and what is out there and you could be their spokesperson. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right? so exciting. I, I, if I could influence one, one mom to do what I did, I would say go for it because you can influence it, man, so many more scary. than that. It's, it's still, it's still so scary. Cause I don't know where this is going to lead. You know, I don't know. I don't, I'm the first person to say, I don't have all the answers, right. but I do know I'm doing something right. I've figured it out. I've picked it up kind of quickly and it's not that hard. <laughs> no, it, it's really not. We, it, it's a matter of, do you want to ride this paradigm shift in the way consumers behave? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. People are staying home and shopping, but yeah. the store shelves are still being stocked heavily as heavily as ever. Yeah, I, it wasn't going a, to the wasn't store as much question. as they used to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a question in my mind if this could work. Like, I know that this can work. I see the yeah. success that others have. You know, it was just like, can I do it? You know, and one of the things that has helped me and still helps me that I need that I keep going back to, and you still you talk about this all the time on your podcast is mindset, and that's where I started. I started from a place where failure in this for me is not an option. Mm. And, and it's because of my why. My why is so strong that I want to I wanna be here with my family. I want this to work. So I'm going to work as hard as I can to make this work. Good for you. There isn't, another, there isn't another option for me right now. And yeah, the passion did come for it. Oh my God, like I sell the weirdest stuff on Amazon and it doesn't matter because I love it. And you know, just the other day I was sourcing something. My mother-in-law called me and she said, what are you doing? Are you out shopping? Because she knows I'm always out shopping. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just some shopping from home this time. I'm buying some stuff. And she's like, well, and I said something you know specific I was looking for. And she said, but don't you have to know about this? There's all these different types of, you know, this item. And I said, no, all I have to know is how many times does it sell a month? Does it sell and does it make me a profit? And she asked again, are you, you know, but there's this kind and this kind of said, no, really, all I need to know is how many times a month does it sell? Does it make me a profit? Yeah. And I'm done. You're buying barcodes. You're buying UPC symbols, right? You're flipping them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's on the other side of that UPC barcode doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's yeah. it, how much does it weigh? And can I reasonably send it into Amazon? Is it going to expire anytime soon? You know, those are the kind of decisions, not how much do I understand this product? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I sort of, that brings me into the next point I wanted to make is that I thought, you know, I've heard you say this before, don't start in a section where, so I do the replens model and yeah. what is the replens model? The replens model is um, things that you can source locally uh, that you can buy at regular price over and over and over that people want to buy over and over and over. Beautiful. Only word I'd add is easily, locally easily, or easily, yes. online. Easily source, yes. Right, right. And, and you're not bargain hunting. You're not hitting the closeout aisle or the discount aisle, although there's sometimes some interesting things there. You tend to just kind of fly past those aisles because you know it's not going to be the same product available next time you go to that store. Right, and I started... 
the first time I went outsourcing, I started in the clearance aisle and I want to speak to the new seller specifically. I know because I thought I didn't have a big budget. I was didn't have a job. I didn't have a lot of money to spend, but just get, you know, save yourself some time and skip the clearance aisle. It just it's not worth it because it's not going to sustain a business for you. Yeah. It's just that model maxes out. If you're doing it right, let's say you've got 30 Walmarts in your driving area and you hit all of them as often as you can and clear everything you can out of those. Still, you're talking about a 40 or $50,000 a year income hustling hard, hustling hard and selling different stuff constantly. And you never know what you're going to get. You can have those days where you go out and come back with nothing. And those are very disheartening days. Yeah. With replens, that never happens. Yeah. And you're spending more time just looking up that item and seeing if you could sell it. And so many times I was just restricted in that category because you get yeah. every category there. It's just like, it wasn't even worth my time. And I just, realized yep. that later. It can be a total waste of time. Yeah. I'm yeah. so sorry for the people that I see with their scanners in that aisle, <laughs> scanning barcodes in the clearance aisle. Like, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. You poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and also another thing is I, I knew what the rules were. The rules are not to scan. And I still scanned in the beginning. I scanned for weeks because it was just, you know, in, a, you know, in mixed in with the typing in, but it was just faster to scan. And the one way that scanning first place helped me was to find out if I was restricted in that category or that brand. Yeah. So if I was... Like I'm in the in the home section. Hmm? Did you lose me again? <laughs> Just for a second. There was a little pause there, but I follow what you said. You said the one time you scan is if you want to check to see if you're qualified to sell that brand or not, right? You can quickly yeah. determine. Just yeah. scan any barcode for that brand and see exactly. if Amazon will let you sell it or not, right? Yeah. So, that, the, so stop there with the scanning barcodes. But, you know, and in the beginning, I would scan and, you know, find things and, I can't tell you how many times that I've come home with, like, I remember my first shopping trip, I came home with like 20 or so items and I must have returned 15 of them because when I got home, I realized they're not as profitable as I thought they were or Amazon is also on the listing. So I've done my share of returns and spending a lot of time returning things. So what I learned quickly is that um, retail arbitrage as in standing in the aisle and scanning things, even if you're, I mean, typing in what the item is and finding listings is not as great of an option for me because I'm not the type of person who wants to stand in an aisle for 30 minutes to four hours. It's not fun. So I take pictures and I go home and I research things at home. But in the beginning, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to do that effectively. There was a video that I found in, I'm in, I'm a member of the replens group on Facebook. I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes for everybody. Let me just explain there real quick. Cause people are going to ask if you own the proven Amazon course or the replens module by itself, that's part of the proven Amazon course. If you own either one of those, you can join our $9 a month private Facebook group where we discuss replen strategies. And that's what Jackie's describing now in the private Facebook group. Yeah, go ahead. So I opened my seller account in October. October 1st was when it opened of 2020. 
it wasn't until late October that I discovered all these modules within the face that Facebook group. There's all these videos. There's a wealth of stuff. It's not just discussion between members. There's videos that teach you more stuff that's not just in the replens course. And it, it was great. And just discovering that unlocked so much for me. There was one video in particular, and I tried to find it before this conversation, Jim, but might have been taken down, but it was um, an episode with um, Brian Davis, and he went through online arbitrage. It went through how he sources online, and it was like, just, you know, just like you do it, would do it in a store. So in a store, if you take a picture of the aisle and you start from the top left corner and you go item by item, in his online arbitrage, he goes item by item in each category online. And there was something about it. He They also gave you a spreadsheet to use. And in that spreadsheet, you plug in the numbers and they showed you where to get those numbers. And as a new seller, I didn't know anything about this stuff. And that helped me figure out my ROI quickly and helped me just help speed things up for me and figure out if that was going to be a viable option for me. So now it's, if I don't do that at home, I don't know for sure if it's a great, if it's going to be a great replan for me. So you're so, finding most of your replans while you're at home now. Now, yeah. And even still, as and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, that all of a sudden there's going to be this moment where something unlocks for you and you see replans everywhere. And wow, that actually happened. It's true. It does it happen. You have yeah. to stick with it, right? And that's the mindfulness part of it. That's just the sticking, stick to itness part. And it does actually happen. And, but even still, even though I know what I'm doing, when I know what I'm searching for, I still return things. I still find a whole bunch of replans in the store. And then I get home and I realize, whoops, there's one detail or something that's off. Or um, usually it's Amazon is on the listing. And I haven't spent my time doing my due diligence in the store, checking the Amazon app and not just the seller app, you know, to find the profitability because I want to move quickly. I don't want to sit in the store for hours. Right. But you're still honing your process. I mean, you're very green. You're very new at this, which I I love. You're still stubbing your toe and bumping your head in ways that you won't be six months from now. But these are valuable episodes. And one of the things that I've heard from the community, share with us more of the challenges that people have early on. And I'm telling you, six months from now, you'll, you will basically have forgotten some of these lessons because it'll just be so routine, routine for you. So mm-hmm. I love that you're sharing. Yeah. If you, if you don't do your research, right, you're going to end up yeah. at that same Walmart and like, you're back again with more returns. Hmm. Yeah. And they're like, what's <laughs> like, wrong you're with You're hoping this it's item? a new lady working the return desk today versus the guy you had last time, right? <laughs> totally. This should, they'll be like, why are you, you know, is there anything wrong with this item? And I go, oh no, my kids just didn't like this flavor. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. okay, crazy lady bought 12 of them. Okay. Oh, you could just say, you know, Amazon sells on this ASIN. It, the ROI is terrible. Like, <laughs> hmm. Okay. I never heard that one before. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I could try that next time. So yeah, like some things that, so I use a lot of spreadsheets. I've stubbed my toe in just having to start new spreadsheets. Like I'll, I'll watch a course, discover the spreadsheet that you guys have shared, which is every time it's just spreadsheet gold. Cause I went to art school again. I don't know how to make my own spreadsheets, but I'm learning how to work the numbers and I'm learning how to read, you know, read ROI and all these things and just filling these things out and making it more efficient for myself. So just little things like 
putting a tab for each, like in the beginning, I would just list everything that I found. And then I would start, okay, let me just separate it by store. Duh. Like for each store, I have a different spreadsheet. And um, now I've gone into the part of like just organizing my spreadsheet by the aisles in the store, which helps me replenish my items. So dry goods or canned goods or condiments, drinks, you know, things like that. So very good. So that, that just helped me a lot. And, and this is, this is still a fairly young business model. Uh, I say that for two reasons. One, everybody and anybody that wants to get into this still can. There's saturation is comical. The number of listings we're on where we are literally the only FBA seller and the product is something that anybody could go buy right now at any number of retail stores. And we're the only FBA seller. It's crazy. So the opportunity is huge. But the other reason I say that, Jackie, is because the tools that are being developed right now, the systems and the processes, the software, you know, it's kind of a clunky machine right now that's wildly profitable for those who jump in and use it. But you got to get, you know, you need your Keepa, you need your spreadsheet, kind of tweak it to your own needs. You know, it's kind of being patched together. There's some great tools coming that, uh, and some, some great opportunities coming associated with it. As really smart people kind of shave off the rough edges of this thing, people smarter than me for sure. And some automated tools and some great things coming. It's just, it's going to be a constantly evolving, improving process. But sometimes, sometimes I wish I was one of those smart people that could make that software and you could spend money on that. You can see why we need so many nerds in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if they could just make it do this. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, you know, again, as a new seller, I'm still hesitant about what else I pay for. Sure. You know, I paid for, I paid for a repricer that helped a lot. And that's just recent. That's just in the past month that I have mm-hmm. a repricer. Mm-hmm. And that was a big big leap for me to take. But once I took it, I realized the value in it. And that also taught me, and I think you recently posted about this in the uh, My Silent Team Facebook group about not penny undercutting your prices and also that you could still be in the buy box even if you're 5% above that price. Or even 10% or more at times, but 5% is very safe. Yeah, I yeah, love that you and brought I w- that up. It's a bit of a soapbox for me. You don't want to ever be the lowest FBA seller on any product. Now, if you're the only FBA seller, have some fun, play around, you know, see how consumers behave based on your price. But don't be the lowest FBA seller. Don't underprice another FBA seller by one penny, please. And you can hear all the experienced sellers out there cheering right now and their cars are pulling over, honking their horns yeah. because it's just not necessary. It doesn't give you any advantage it just potentially starts that race to the bottom in the repricers, yep. which is a sad thing to see. You got, if you just imagine five guys who've all set their repricer to go one penny lower than the next guy. Like, yeah. Dun, 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 and all the repricers sit there and work overtime and you wake up the next day and everybody's at the lowest possible price. So don't do that. You get the buy box just as often, like Jackie just said, if you stay within five to 10% of the next lowest FBA seller, you're going to rotate through and get the buy box. Experiment with it. You'll see that it's true. That's Now, Amazon doesn't share the exact algorithm that drives their buy box, but enough of us have done enough testing over time to be able to say with a great deal of confidence, if you're within 5% above that next lowest FBA seller, you're going to get the buy box just as much as that lower priced seller does. And we can all kind of stay in that happy territory of sharing the buy box that way without tanking the price down to where no one's making money. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, I didn't, I had no idea. It was, and it also brings, you know, one of the first ASINs I sold, you know, I remember my first sale was October 16th and it was a merchant fulfilled item. And I didn't realize until about, I sold about 20 of these things that I lost money on probably every sale because the shipping part of this whole thing confuses me. So I don't do shipping templates. I would love if there was a course or something that explained the in and outs of the shipping templates or even the in and outs of using Seller Central because there's parts of that still confuse me. But that's another story. (laughs) Again, I'm still learning. Are you doing mainly FBA or are you doing... Mainly, mainly FBA. And in the, in the beginning, um, so I started right in Q4 and there was a lot to learn there. You know, it was really exciting to start in Q4 because I was like, well, I'm definitely going to get sales because everybody's shopping now. You know, this, this is a great time to start. But also there was the draw of the holiday items. And I thought, wow, maybe I should really get into this. But I knew that I was too late for FBA on holiday items. Mm-hmm. So I went out to my local stores and I sourced some merch and merchant fulfilled holiday items. And I spent the bulk of November and December sort of neglecting my regular replens a little bit and doing the these seasonal replen items. Listen, I found a couple killer ASINs that, had me shipping till all hours of the night. You know, I remember in November I had like a $1,600 day and I was so excited. I filled one of those mail trucks, you know, those big bins outside, you know, that was so exciting. I was like, wow, I really made it. But, you know, I attribute to the early success of my business in November and December. That was holiday. That was the effects Mm -hmm. of holiday. Right. And, um, you know, even though I still found replens, they were really holiday, but they were holiday replens. Yeah, so I, you know, I did well those months, but I've spent most of my time running from store to store trying to find all these items to get as many as I could. Sure. So, to pace, to fulfill on them. The pace of chasing those spikes is it's draining. It's not a sustainable, year-round, predictable. Right, you can't really hire somebody to go out and find a bunch of Christmas asins that are going to be really hot in October, you know, and, and that's just hard to do. But you can hire people to go shop your replen list at the yeah. point you're ready to scale. There's just so much more stability there, and we've heard from right. many replen sellers their January was bigger than their December. Yeah, that's where I was. My January was bigger than my December. You're one. Yeah, even though you and- spent all that time chasing the hot holiday stuff. January was bigger. And I didn't know that about your story, but we hear it from a lot of sellers. And and that was because in January, I went back to my regular replen list. Mm-hmm. I beefed it up. I found new replens and I sent in more units weekly. I would just send in as many as I could handle. Now, again, this is just me. I thought that I would have a 12-year-old little helper. I don't. She's 12. There's this the reality of it. She does not want to put stickers on boxes and bundle items with me. That's not fun, mom. <laughs> and so, so it's just me. My mom ha- jumps in to help and I hired my next door neighbor who's 16 to help out. But that, so that's the thing I want to grow now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm to share a little bit. I'm, you know, October, November, November, December, I was like at about you know, 10,000, 11,000. Now my January was about 12,000 in sales, which is great, but I am eager and I'm hungry to grow. And I want to grow as fast as possible because of my why. I need this to work. This has to somehow as quickly as possible 
replace my old Manhattan salary, which is probably not going to happen all that soon. But that's the fire that, you know, that's the the fire that's lit under my butt to make this happen. So there's no question you'll get there. You're on the, you're on a great path. Well, I know that I want to, I know what I need to do. I know just getting to that step is really hard. It's hard to, to just make that leap. You know, it's even just to have my neighbor come in and help out, even though I know that she helped me get shipments out faster, but I have a really small space to work in first, you know, at for, for right now, it's like, we've got all these other factors. We've got to get this bed behind me out of here so I can have some more space in this work room. And maybe when that happens, it'll be a little bit more comfortable to come in, to have her come in, you know, but I'm still. Here's, here's some, you've heard me say this before, if you've listened to this show, but I'm going to tell you, tell you specifically, and I preach to myself every time I say what I'm about to say, but as entrepreneurs, especially once we feel like we've kind of got the tiger by the tail a little bit and we're like, okay, we're ready to go. Let's go. We overestimate what we can get done in a single day or a week even. We overestimate so dramatically. Like, okay, I'm going to get all these things. Here's my list, right? I'm going to find 40 new replens. I'm going to get this bed out of here. I'm going to get my new shipping desk built. I'm going to boom, 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 boom. I'm going to get my 12-year-old excited about replens and putting stickers on bags. Like, bam, I'm going to do all these things next week. And you end up at the end of that week kind of disappointed because you only got two of those things done and you put out about three fires and you had four more returns than you thought you'd have at Walmart or whatever it is you're shopping and you just kind of feel defeated. But if you put that that on a trajectory of six months or a year, taking tiny steps in the right direction, it's going to blow your mind. If you chart it out yet from October to January, the trajectory of what you're building and sustaining that over time bringing in the help when you need it. Yeah, it costs you a little money, but that neighbor has enabled you to do more business. So maybe your margin drops a little bit, profits drop a little bit, but the pie just got bigger. Yeah. Those are business making math decisions. The trajectory that you're on though, if you put it six or nine months out, yeah, you've more, I don't even know what your salary was, but you've arguably easily replaced just about anything that you were making before six to nine months from now on this trajectory path that you're on. I hope so. I hope so. Cause like I said, this has to work, but I know, I know math wise, I know that it makes sense to hire her because she helps me get, get the orders out faster and allowed me to get an or an extra shipment out that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. But just getting over that hump of having her come regularly is really hard. It's like, like, you know, I've heard people say this before. It's your baby. It's my baby that I started with and I can do everything, but I can't, I know that I can't, I've heard you say it a hundred times I can't grow unless I bring a team with me but knowing exactly how to do that I'm still feeling that out I'm not really yeah. sure well you're green enough that's okay that's the that's the period of intense focused effort that's wearing all the hats that's the stage you're in right and it doesn't last forever because if you've got a profitable system the next thing the, the next person you need to be hiring and focusing on get the help you need right now but need to, to get someone else out there that understands how to find profitable ASINs, how to do the research, how to go take a picture of the store shelf even, and come home and scroll through and you pay them. Have them sign a non-compete if it makes you more comfortable. That's perfectly fine. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people looking for reasonable hourly work and you'd say, hey, I'll give you a percent of the profits. Help me build this. So imagine someone out there as good or better than you are at finding new ASINs, right? Yeah. And you're so, paying them a piece of what they're finding. So that's something I've heard you say before. I don't know if this is in the pack course, 
which I did get after the Replen standalone course. I want to mention. Oh, you did get good. There's all kinds of good stuff in there. Yeah. Talk I about did. not being able to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I learned how to do bundling and all sorts of things, but how do I figure out how to give someone a percentage of the profits? I've heard you say that before, but I don't, how do I do that? You know, just hiring someone and knowing how to pay, how much to pay them. That was something that the group gave me, right? The Facebook we group. We actually have a podcast wonderful. episode coming up soon with one of our newest coaches, Josh, who has hired several neighbors to do exactly what we're describing. And we're actually creating a course and some new content with the specifics in it. Not that I'm trying to keep some big secret, but it would take a little bit of time to kind of go through right. the details. But basically- right. If they're bringing you more money than you had before, you give them a piece of it <laughs> to in, in such a way that makes sense for them and makes sense for you. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a simple. Now, logistically, how do you track it? How do you know who gets credit for what? That sort of thing, you know, keeping who does the reports and how do you know what spreadsheet do you use to track all of this? That sort of thing, you know, getting into the dirty details of it. But if you can train someone to go out there and find more revenue for your business, rewarding them with a percentage of it, is a beautiful way to grow. That's a beautiful way to grow your team. Instead of you yeah. losing revenue by hiring someone in, you're actually bringing someone in that's bringing new revenue. And it's very doable. It happened. Like I said, we're going to bring Josh in and, and he's got a network of people that work from their own homes doing a very healthy seven-figure business and everyone's kind of contributing to the same pie. It's a beautiful model. Well, that's excellent. I look forward to that episode. It's coming. So yeah, so I need to do that. I need to hire a shopper, you know, like, cause like I need to, cause I've seen that the key to this is not just finding new replants, but the key for me and how I saw January spike a little bit because I took the holiday replants out of the scenario, right? It's like, it's almost like November and December were a wash for me in my head. Yeah, I did great, but that wasn't the core replants model that I'm building now. Right. So January was a real true spike for me because I was feeding the beast and I was feeding it often and just send in as much as you can over and over and over. And then I started doing it more strategically because I started taking my lower ROI replans out of the equation because I realized they're not making me as much money. And it's a lot of work to bag up three little things that only make me 20% and replenishing more of the 40%. And up replans. Yeah, forty percent ROI or greater, or we're you're looking fifty, sixty now is kind of being the bottom for us because those hundred percent ROI items are everywhere, right? And you want to have plenty of time to free, free to find them, right? Right. So you can turn ten dollar bills into twenty dollar bills all day, selling right. an item for thirty bucks, right? And Amazon keeps their ten, and you get your you you get your money back for the item you bought, and you get an extra ten. That's a hundred percent ROI model. Those deals are everywhere you know, change the numbers. Yeah, they really are. 20, 40, 80, if you want, you know, it's, those deals are everywhere. Well, I want to hear some specific numbers and we do need to start to wrap the episode up. If there's any specific tips you wanted to share with anyone as well, let's get into that segment a little bit. Sure. Well, so specific numbers, I have to admit that the, the numbers part of this is not my forte. I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn about the numbers part of it. That's quite all right. I know that my repricer tells me that I'm at about a 27% profit margin. My, you know, that doesn't factor in some of the supplies and everything, but again, there's, it's a wash, right? I, I know that the things that I'm getting now are f- at least 40% ROI and upwards to 300% ROI. Right. 
let's so it see. Sounds like, it sounds like based on the numbers you share with me, in in January you put somewhere around three to four thousand dollars after all expenses. Mm-hmm. Bank is that about where you're at? Yeah, I mean that's where I I started when I put into this business. What about was about that much, and I haven't touched any personal money since. So that's a good way to look at it too. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's self fueling. Yeah. Right. And plus you have all that inventory out there that hasn't sold yet. Exactly. So you had that in and yeah, you've, you've, you've got a beautiful cash flow business set up, but knowing your numbers is important. At some point you will need an accountant to kind of help you through and they can really add a lot of clarity as well. A good accountant, because yeah. you don't have to pay taxes on all this anyway. They can give you the, you know, the reports to break it down. Here's what you're spending in these different areas and uh, right. But that's right. the other hat. You won't have to wear it forever, but for right now, you're going to have to. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now I'm doing all, I'm trying to keep up with all the bookkeeping and taking pictures of my receipts and really keeping good records of everything. Um, I track my miles with a free app called Stride. That's mm-hmm. a big good help. Time. You know, one thing. So here's what I could tell the new sellers. Cause I know that when I was out there, I could not find a thing. And I thought, a grocery was the only way because I knew grocery. And again, don't go to categories that you know anything about because you're going to be too influenced by your personal decisions. Uh, most of the stuff that I sell is stuff that I would never feed my family with. <laughs> I mean, not never, but usually I've discovered and I've discovered so many different sauces and things that exist that I never thought were possible. <laughs> so don't shop in sections that you know of. But um, And I did get ungated in grocery early on. Um, that helped me tremendously because I'm a mom. I know grocery. It was easy for me to shop in grocery. I felt comfortable in that section. I knew it was in home. It was in like the home goods section. I knew that it was in arts and crafts. I knew that it was in tools, but I still wasn't finding anything. So I urged new sellers to go back, like take pictures of the whole aisle and just go item by item by item. Cause I would get frustrated very quickly, very easily scanning a couple of barcodes and then I would just leave it at that and leave the aisle. But there's really so much there that I still haven't discovered yet. Yeah. There's also, there's when entire- When you a picture, let's pause there. Yeah. What are you taking yeah. a picture of? Give me a specific, like what's in the, what's in the frame? I make sure with. that I could see the size of the item and yeah. the price. How many ounces, the price they're charging. Right. right. You know, if I have the patience, I will turn it around and take a picture of the barcode, barcode next yeah. to next to the item. And you can but do several normally, items at the same time, if possible. Yes, I try to get in the frame, you know, at yeah. least a couple shelves in, you know, keeping in mind that when I go home and have to zoom in, I may not be able to read those ounces. So yeah, but so I, maybe test it in the store, make sure you can read, you know. That's a good tip. You can get a good 10, 12 products at a time if you flip the barcodes around and put the ounces up where you can see it and take a shot. And, you know, in most aisles of most stores. And you could do with with a picture of 12 or 15 items, that could wind up being a good two or three hours of research, resulting in 20 or 30 replans. Yes. Even though you only started with 10 or 12 items, you found 20 or 30 because you bunny trail off of them. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what happens to me. I go home and I research and I want to debunk for one. I want to debunk your, your theory of turning off the Netflix because I have gotten so much Netflix viewing time in because (laughs) I'm really good at sitting in my armchair 
and researching with Netflix in the background. So you don't have to well, turn well, off your- Email is a special email. species. You have something guys don't have, and that's the ability <laughs> to focus on more than one thing at a time, it seems like. It, we, we're astounded by your abilities in that arena. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the thought of having a TV show on and actually following the plot while doing any kind of meaningful work is like asking me to jump in two directions at the same time. It's like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so oh, so i definitely but that's what happens i bunny trail off of things there's pictures in my arsenal of you know aisle pictures that i still haven't hit every item because i found so many asins just going on a rabbit trail coming going off of those items sure so as jimmy teaches so much. scroll slowly you're scrolling through yeah. looking and like off the page jumps this completely unrelated product yeah, that, completely. Like, no way that costs more than $4 and they're selling a three pack for 62. Yeah. What's going on there? And off you go and you find this magical lace and that has nothing to do with where you were researching, right? Right. And then I go and I research that thing and then sure. I forgot where I was in the and first place. you end up place. with all these tabs open on top. One of which for you is Netflix. Exactly. Okay, whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, and um, so, so, and then again, there's stores, retail stores they're dedicated to just arts and crafts. They're in all your towns. I'm sure you guys know which stores I'm talking about, you know. And so we want to buy things at regular price. But what I've found is that these stores run sales or they have codes that you can use to save money on. So whether it's a code that you're using, their sales are cyclical. So I found a couple of replens that I bought. Let's and let's say it's a totally new item. I've never sold it before. Okay. But I want to get the free shipping and I want to get the, I want to maximize on that deal. So I will order 12 of that item that I've never sold before. Send in four of them and see how it does. Most of the time, I just have to replenish it and send it, send the next in with my next shipment. And so I've maximized on that sale. I've maximized on the free shipping and I have um, stock at home of things that I can send in when that sells out. That's a great tip. Now, yeah. if it doesn't do well, I can return it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, and all the fuel points that you get at different stores and all the, <laughs> you look right. at the I card mean, statement is don't, don't go into debt doing this, but if you're paying stuff with a card and paying it off, you're going to accumulate a lot of points doing this. You're churning through a lot of inventory. And just, and just the, um, the value chopper points, right? Like you get right. vouchers from some of these stores from, for shopping there frequently. So this store was Michael's, like they have a, uh, you know, a frequent, customer kind yeah, of programs sure. so Most stores do i yeah. get their vouchers right yeah so it's like i'll get their vouchers and how and that voucher that i built up from spending all this money on these other products and they right. take returns easily so if the price right. tags which it has on a few items i have my receipt and i return the items and when i go back to return them i come back with five more six more ten more replants to try again because i was in that store because like I said, that's one store where their sales are cyclical. So right, a lot of stores that sale will come back. Yeah, You'll see the same thing kind of comes around on sale, and that's when you buy up, especially your good replans that you know are established. They go on sale. You clean up. <laughs> you clear the shelf, right? But well, this has been a great episode. I think we packed it full of really great tips, and I love and appreciate that you're still fairly new to this, just a few months in. But you've got a profitable, viable business. It's allowing you to be home with your kids, with your with your spouse, and 
set some big goals. I can't wait to see where you are six to eight months or so from now. I think you're heading in a really great direction though, from everything I just heard. You're doing phenomenal. Oh, thanks. It's great. It's exciting. I love this. I love being home. I love just, just being able to have dinner with my family, which I never thought would ever happen. It's just such a simple thing that we all sit down and have dinner together. We couldn't I do love that. it. You know, I saw a study one time that uh, was looking for the greatest single element of your childhood that was the strongest predictor for success on, I think the study was the SAT test or something, but I can't remember what the exact metric was, but like you look at all the high performers, high achievers, I can't remember what it was exactly they were measuring. I think it was some kind of standard test of some kind. And they were trying to say, what is it that those kids who achieved well had in common? And they did tons of research and came to the conclusion that the one factor that stood out above all the others and was easily most tied to success in academics was, did they have meals with their family or not? <laughs> and everyone was scratching their head like, that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm wow. like, well, to me, it kind of does. You know, that conversation, that time spent with family, you know, that's a very healthy, nurturing thing. It, it, it does make you sharper. It makes you more interested in the world. It makes you less closed in, less, you know, you're exposed to new ideas. You're forced to defend yourself in conversation over ideas you have that differ from those around you. And it's just such a healthy dynamic to have the family around the table. I love that that's a goal for you. And so few families do that now. But to have that as a family goal, that's beautiful. And that's a great gift that you're giving yeah, your it's wonderful. in pursuing that. It's phenomenal. So good job, mom. <laughs> Thanks. Mm. Well, let me talk to the uh, to the listeners now because I have a feeling that we could sit and just do this for a long time, <laughs> but we need to wrap this one up. I got another call coming at me here. I'm actually two minutes late right now. Okay. Uh, but to those who hung out with us today, man, I just can't wait to see where Jackie's going to be. And I think there's a lot of just specifically moms, but maybe a lot of dads or others, you know, it doesn't matter what your demographic is, who were inspired today by, wow, okay, she's doing this. She jumped out of an art world professional art arena with a three-hour commute. <laughs> and now she's doing this from home. And she's finding great fulfillment in it. And she's challenged by it. She's passionate about it. She's not passionate about the product she sells. She's passionate about her why. And I love that we visited that today too. So I think we've challenged some listeners today, but we loved hanging out with you. And Jackie, thank you. You're an excellent guest. Thank you. I love the listeners today. You gave us some of your most valuable resource. That's your time. We sure appreciate that. We'll have another great episode for you again real soon. Talk to you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.